I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, the Bucs got what they needed, a big win against the Minnesota Vikings to snap that uh, two-game losing streak coming off the bye. They beat the Vikings 26 to 14 Tom Brady with a couple of touchdown passes this game was not easy and it certainly didn't start the way they had hoped after a bye week we'll dive all into it in the Bucks victory with Joey Knight of the Tampa Bay Times from Raymond James Stadium I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times hey folks be sure to visit Old Northeast Jewelers you know they have two locations the original store on 4th Street in St. Pete has been there forever and now they have a brand new store in Hyde Park the address is 1607 West Swan Avenue. That's in beautiful Hyde Park Village in Tampa. Now, don't forget, Old Northeast Jewelers has online consultations and free delivery to your door for jewelries, for rings, and luxury watches. If you need some money for the holidays, who doesn't, right? Old Northeast Jewelers is always buying fine jewelry and luxury watches, so you can trade those in and uh, maybe trade that piece and, and have something brand new for you or your family. Encourage uh, everybody, to go see their their new store in Hyde Park. You have to see this beautiful place on Swan Avenue, 1607 Swan Avenue, Hyde Park Village in Tampa, and the original Old Northeast Jewelers on 4th Street. All right, Joey, um, listen, I didn't know quite what to expect. I, I felt like the Bucks, uh certainly needed the bye week. I thought that the health of the team was going to be important, and it was. Um, but I got to be honest, when I saw this game begin, it looked exactly the way uh, that they went into the bye, which was a, an uninspired team, a team that couldn't convert on third down, had only five plays total in the first quarter. Um, the Vikings dominated on offense. Dalvin Cook ran all over them. They couldn't get to Kirk Cousins. This had the beginnings of a disaster written all over it. And then the Vikings kicker started missing kicks. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. I mean, uh, you know, they got a little bit of momentum. And wasn't that ironic that's something that was working at the beginning of the year that they had gotten away from, which was a deep shot to Scotty Miller, is really what started the whole thing going. Right, and God bless him, but I think Dan Bailey's probably unemployed by the time this podcast posts. You know, there are no style points in the NFL, Rick. We, we all know that. It, it was the conventional outcome that Bucks fans wanted, just in a very unconventional way, just like you indicated. You know, the Bucks had five offensive plays the first quarter the script started the way we've seen the the other games recent games play out you know the the early the team getting early the opponent getting early momentum the bucks not able to get off the field defensively but in the end the bucks got what they wanted they got that two score lead in the fourth quarter you know which allowed the off the defensive line to kind of pin its ears back force you know minnesota into passing situations and then we just kind of saw a sack fest there at the end and um you know that's exactly that's exactly if you're the bucks what you want you want that front four and those the front three and those edge rushers namely pierre paul and barrett to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback and and get their sacks and they did but just the way they got there the way they got to that two score lead in the fourth quarter was highly unconventional 
And what was weird, if you go back and you and you look at this game, uh, um, you know, at, at the end of the first half, which we can talk about, they managed to get a, a, a pass interference call against Gronkowski in the end zone that sets up a field goal, but that was just a 21-second possession. You take that away in the kneel down, or essentially running out the final two minutes when the game was over, the Bucks only had seven possessions on the whole game. And they scored on four of them, which is which is efficient. Um, but they had you know twice as much time of possession for the Vikings than 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 the Bucks had, obviously. Now, part of that, Joey, I would say, is a good thing, and I mean it in this sense: they didn't give up the quick strike touchdowns like they did against Kansas City. Nobody really got behind their defense. Um, you know, they made Minnesota who's mostly a ground-and-pound team, but they made them work for it. They, I think they had like a 15-play drive that took about eight minutes uh, for their second touchdown. So even though the Vikings got back in the game, um, it, it wasn't easy. Now, the downside of that is, of course, if you can't get off the field, um, you're not going to score, and your defense gets tired, and, and against better teams, that's not a good recipe. But I think there were some, some things that clearly showed up that they did a little bit different from uh, examining themselves in the bye week, one of them is I think they got more simple on on defense. I think they got more simple on offense. I didn't think they tried to do too much. And we saw a personnel change or two that frankly worked. We talked about Scotty Miller getting in there and at least getting a deep shot. He'd only had two targets in the last three games. How about the decision to bench Leonard Fournette, who was a, a you know fairly coveted at the time free agent um, from Jacksonville, in favor of a guy that hasn't really played at all since week three, like Green Bay or three or four, um, in LaShawn McCoy. And just that little tweak sort of paid off at the start of the second half when he had four carries for 30-something yards. And they were four carries all in succession. Four carries for 32 yards right there. Set up that short Brady touchdown pass to Gronk that you know, made it 23-6 to six and really, really set the momentum in Tampa Bay's favor. Yeah, just little tweaks like that. And we talk about, actually, Minnesota had two drives of, of eight minutes or longer. But hand it to the Bucks. I mean, we talk about this is not a game of, of a lot of style points. You know, it's, it, it's not a game where it was necessarily pretty. But, I mean, the dudes made some key plays. I, I go back, Rick, to the, to the first possession of the game, the opening possession. Minnesota's uh Cousins is, you know, third and four, very manageable third and four from the Bucks thirty-two. And Shaq Barrett, I think this was the play where he did a little stunt, came up the middle, sat Cousins, fourth and twelve from the forty, they have to punt. I mean, this is before Dan Bailey even really before his misery even starts, they're forced to punt in the opening play of the game. Again, you know, there's uh it's like a seven or eight play drive. They struggle to get the Vikings off the field, but that one critical play is all you need. Yeah, I mean the Vikings. I think uh, had the ball um, inside the Bucks' forty-yard line a whole bunch of times, and and before each Dan Belly miss, for the most part, there was a negative play. Uh, one time they were um, there was a false start. Two other times there was a sack, and one occasion there were back-to-back sacks by Antoine Winfield, and then I believe maybe it was uh, Jason Pierre-Paul or, or Shaq Barrett, one of them. Um, got the second sack, uh, and, and yeah, and Barrett, and essentially made that a longer field goal. Which I don't know if you know the way Bailey was kicking. I don't think the distance really mattered um, because he's been in such a funk. He came into the game um, having uh, missed three kicks uh, the previous week against Jacksonville, um, and he missed his first extra point here Sunday. 
But still, you know, that's stepping up at times, the sort of a bend but don't break, but also getting the quarterback um, on the ground and having a negative play, forcing them into a longer field goal um, that certainly, you know, certainly was was important. I mean, they had um, a total of, uh, what was it, six sacks, I believe. Yeah, six sacks for 52 yards, which is a good chunk of yardage. And Shaq Parrott, it's really interesting, and I, I, I would assume they'll continue doing this. Last year, he, he played mostly on the right side because Jason Pierre-Paul missed the first six weeks with the fractured neck. And he got off to that tremendous start, nine sacks in four games. And then when Barrett or when uh, Pierre-Paul came back, they kind of flipped. And, you know, Jack Barrett went, went to the left side of the defensive line against the right tackle, and Pierre-Paul went to the right side. And, you know, he, he still finished with 22 and a half or 19 and a half, which is ridiculous, right? However, most of those were in the front end of the season. Um, and now these last two weeks, Shaq Barrett has three sacks. A sa- one of those is a sack fumble. He's come alive, but he's m- going against the left tackle again, which I think they should just leave him there. Maybe they're going to think about it, but you know he's a 250-something pound guy versus a 270-pound guy in Pierre Paul, who I think he struggles when he's going against the right tackle. Barrett does because you've got the tight end over there very often. Teams are right-handed. They run that way. Um, you know, so for whatever reason, and one was a stun, as you mentioned, up the middle, but Barrett has come alive at the right time. This is the kind of pass rush they're going to need, um, you know, down the stretch. I I didn't think that, you know, Tom Brady, I mean, he was more comfortable in that he was not sacked. He was hit a couple times. Um, but for the most part, he started out really shaky. I mean, he, he missed three pretty wide open receivers, but, but he, he settled down. What impressed me about this day was that for all the talk of and, – and we saw some motion and we saw some play action, but really, Bruce Arians is stubborn. He's not changing his offense. He's going to continue to try to drive the ball down the field. And if Tom Brady hits his throws, this is a much easier game than the one they had tonight. I'll tell you what. We saw considerably more pre-stamp motion. I don't think we can disagree with that. But we didn't see a whole heck of a lot more play action pretty much the same amount we've seen the last couple of games. It's just that today that play action resulted in clearly more significant, you know, positive plays, you know, including a touchdown. I think the one, the pass to Gronk w- w- was play action, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, you know, going back to defense and Shaq Barrett, why in the world would you change it? Why would you move him back to the left side? You know, unless you're just trying to outcoach yourself or outthink yourself, and, you know, and, 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 you know, sticking on the defense, how, how about Antoine Winfield, the Minnesota oh. native, you know, L- led the team today, Rick, 11 tackles, ha- had that sack, you know, the first of two consecutive sacks on that critical drive that pushed the Vikings out of field goal range. Just what a day for that kid going against the team that his dad played for for so many years. Uh, you know, it had to be just really a surreal moment for, for him today. Really happy to see that. And I'll tell you what, man, this guy is uh, – you know, he's a rookie. Uh, he's shaping up kind of like Tristan Wirfs, you know, just to be one of those stalwarts in, in this lineup for some time. I don't know if you agree, but I've been awfully impressed. No, he's absolutely a, an all-rookie player and would, would had you know, if they were to win a bunch of games here in a row, and, and I don't know when those votes are made, but would, would get some consideration because he's done it on, on big games. You know, the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman games. That's when you want to want to come alive. He's shown the nation. I, I think he's in the top five and balloting for the Pro Bowl as a rookie, which is unheard of, right? Tristan Wirfs, you never hear his name. That's how good he's been. Um, 
He's been as solid as any offensive lineman they have as a rookie going against some really elite pass rushers week in and week out. And, you you know, since the Chicago game, you know, where, uh, you know, Matt got him a few times, um, you know, I, I think he's just been more than advertised. So, yeah, the rookies are, are definitely playing well. Um, you know, it, here's the thing is that I think the rest helped them. There's no doubt about that. And this was a good football team to beat because they've been playing well, not exceptionally well. They've, they've taken out some bad teams. But when you face a team that's 5-6 and six and if they beat you, they have your, the tiebreaker on you. We said going into this four-game stretch, this was going to be their biggest test. Now, I'm not naive to think that Atlanta, who, who sees these guys twice a year uh, and has two head coaches that coach for the Bucks, wouldn't be able to put together a game plan that could beat them one of the next two times they play them. However, the Bucks are going to be probably more favored against the Falcons than they were the six, six-and-a-half points against the Vikings. If they can build some momentum, they need to get sort of this this train sort of moving towards the end of the season. And then I don't think you care or worry about who you play. Hell, the Saints lost a game to the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts, who made his first start. Um, there's no team in the league, especially in the NFC, in my opinion, that is unbeatable. You know, they don't have a Kansas City Chiefs over here. And when you consider that, yes, they will have to go on the road, although the NFC South still is mathematically in play. I don't think we're naive to think that they're going to, you know, watch New Orleans lose three in a row and they win four. Um, but that said, if you're ever going to go on the road, this is the year to do it because most of these stadiums, with the exception of Raymond James and a few that might have 15,000, 16,000 fans, are empty. There's no home field advantage. There's no 12 in Seattle. Um, there's no Lambeau leap in, in, except into the bleachers that are empty. So to me, um, this is the year that you that you kind of, you know, get into the tournament and if, and you you game plan for that team that week and hope you can win a game in advance. You you just got to get there, Rick. That, that's the key. You know, they're eight and five. They win two of these last three. They're in. You just get there, and just like you said. You, you let fate, you know, play its hand. There, there is no juggernaut in the NFC this year. You think of the Saints. I guess they're ten and three now after today's loss. When Drew Brees comes back, what's he going to be like? Having his whole midsection ravaged, we we have no idea what he's going to be like. We we saw what the Bucks did with Aaron Rodgers earlier in the season, and, and like you said, so many of these stadiums. I, I didn't go to the Superdome. There were no fans there week one. Correct, you know. So uh, it, it's a crapshoot. The playoffs is a crapshoot this year more than any year in the history of the National Football League. They've just got to get there. And, you know, momentum is a week-to-week thing in the NFL. And, and, and like you said, they're, they're going up to face two coaches who, who want to get them and want to dig them good. Um, we'll see. You know, do you build on momentum from this game? What can you build on? You know, um, <laughs> you, you can't build on the first half when – the Vikings were on the field nearly the whole time. You know, um, the defense, we, we saw some good things. But, again, the way they got to where they got with a, with a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, which allowed them just to really, you know, 
make a beeline for the quarterback in the fourth quarter. It was very unconventional the way they got there. They still got to stop the run. They they still got to they've still got to keep mobile quarterbacks set the edge against mobile quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins had more than 40 rushing yards today. As we mentioned, Alvin Cook ran for more than 100 yards. They've still got some issues in stopping guys who can roll out and do different things with bootlegs and waggles. And they've just got to stop the the bell cow runners on the other team. They haven't really proven they could do that yet. So, you know, you just go up to Atlanta and win any way you can, exactly the way they did today. They won any way they could. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, and it's you're right. It's pro football. It's not uh, style points for a poll or, or a championship that you're trying to impress um, voters with what was uh, notable about this game is that the Bucks had 26 rushing attempts and only 23 passing attempts. Um, you could say that's balanced, but it's actually trending more towards you know the running side. Of course, when you have a lead, that's what you do to try to salt the game away. Um, you know, Jones was efficient. He wasn't great. Average four four carry, 18 carries for 80 yards. Mentioned what he got out of McCoy. I think though. What's what's interesting is that Tom Brady only attempted 23 passes. That's the fewest passes he's attempted in a game since 2015. Um, so, you know, if you can keep your quarterback out of harm's way by only dropping him back 23 times, granted he only connected on 15 of those um, 196 yards, but he didn't turn the ball over. The two touchdowns, walks out of here with 120.9 rating. And Brady, Brady is a guy – that and I think this is what he is. You know, you talk about his success in December, mostly January. Um, coming off a bye, he was fourteen and four going into this game. Now fifteen and four. What he can impress upon his play, his teammates, is this: that it doesn't matter how you win. Um, nobody's going to go back. And I remember when the Bucks won a Super Bowl. Nobody goes back and remembers how god awful they were on offense until the postseason. I mean, I watched games where if they scored 17, that was enough because the defense is that good. Saw them kick five field goals in Carolina that year with Martin Gramatica. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. you got to get hot at the right time. They got hot at the end of the season. They got the right matchup against the 49ers, the right matchup when they had figured out some things against Philadelphia, and then here come the Raiders, who John Gruden knew intimately, and the defense won that game. They only had to do a little bit on offense. So my point is is that, um, you know, there's time. There's three more weeks of this season for these guys to get in sync. And almost defiantly, Bruce Arians said after the game, everybody asked me what our offensive identity is. Well, it's any damn thing. We can do any damn thing we want. That's our identity, which I thought was like, whoa, uh, okay, okay, just a little bit of a burr in the saddle there because the national media, of course, has been – on Arians and his relationship with Brady and how this isn't working. It's the wrong offense. And I think they, they've been trying each week to incorporate some things that makes Brady more comfortable. But make no mistake, 
Bruce Arians is going to do what Bruce Arians wants to do, and it's he's going to run his offense, and Byron Leftwich is going to call those shot plays, and it's on Brady to hit them, and he had some guys that he could have hit today, which would have made this a much easier day, um, but he didn't. And I thought it was really interesting because, you know, there was a story prior to the game, and I confirmed it, that Arians and Brady and Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach, and Rondé Barber, had planned to use part of the bye week to get in some some holes, some 36 or 54 holes of golf at Old Memorial. And then the NFL nixed that, saying, no, you can't go outside that sort of bubble that you have over there at uh, the Spectrum Health uh, Training Center, and Barber isn't part of that. Neither is the guy in the pro shop or any other place you may go over there. So they nixed it. But, you know, everybody was has been sort of like this this – there's this rift, there's this thing between Arians, and it's not personal, and I think Brady enjoys playing for Arians, and I think he sees this as a challenge. Does he want more of what he wants? Yes. And do they have to spend more time in the film room, as I'm told they did? I think so. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're not a hot offense right now. They have time to get hot, and they, but they, can, they really can do a lot of different things against different people. And today, I mean, when they had to run it, they ran it well. When they had to throw it, they hit some big plays. I think this is sort of what you're going to see down the stretch. If anything, they'll be skewing a little more towards running the football right. only because that that protects Brady and he doesn't need to be hit as much as he's been hit. And if they're going to continue running and establishing the run, and God bless them, it, it was fairly effective today. Man, I really like Shady McCoy. And you know what Bruce Arians told us, you know, when he talked about not making Leonard Fournette active today and, you know, implementing Shady McCoy a little more. He said, hey, Shady's fresh. And he dang sure should be. He's barely played the last two months. But we saw, you know, in a little spurt what he can do. The guy's still got some pop. He's still got some burst. And if you want to establish the run these last three games, a fresh Shady McCoy, 32 years old, sure. But... He, he looked good today, uh, you know, just to see him, you know, compliment Jones a, a little bit in that backfield. I really liked what I saw. I saw some pop in the backfield with, with Shady back there. And, and, you know, that goes back to what you just said, Rick. Maybe Tom and Arians and Clyde Christensen couldn't get together on a golf course and talk about what modifications they wanted to make. But somewhere along that bye week, somewhere, either in a virtual setting or outside and chairs separated from each other, they talked about a few things. I think Brady got in Bruce's ear and said, hey, let's Shady play yes. a little bit. Yes. Hey, let's do a little more uh, pre-snap motion. Let's do a little more few things before the snap. Maybe just a tad more play action here and there. Somebody got in somebody's ear, and we saw the differences we saw today, and they were pretty darn positive differences. And that and that somebody is exactly who you said it was Tom slash Brady or Brady comma Tom because I have asked and and I've got you know it's funny because when everybody's talking about this this bye week and would Arians be more involved what would happen I heard two conflicting completely conflicting stories one was Arians has gotten a little more involved the last two weeks um, and that was more from an organizational uh, person. The coaching staff told me not same exact routine, that there really hasn't. But you're right. They've had a talk about who should be playing and who Tom trusts. And the thing with Shady McCoy is he does have fresh legs, but he's also an older guy um, that, you know, presumably, you know, his best days are behind him. What he has done 
has been a leader in that running backs room, even though he hasn't been playing. He's been counseling some of those young guys like Ronald Jones. Um, you know, uh, you, you have you have young players like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, we saw you know Barner is up here to return um, kicks right now. Ken John Barner. Um, but the, but there are there, there is an assortment of running backs in there. And McCoy, to his credit, you know, last year he was on the Chiefs, but he got to play a little bit. He didn't have a ton of carries, and he didn't play in the Super Bowl or have a carry in the Super Bowl, but he wasn't just put on the shelf. He wasn't made inactive. He wasn't a guy that they had forgotten about. And and when I talked to Shady, we both talked to him tonight um, after the game on Sunday, and he said, look, I I never had to just sit out like this. You know, I've always at least gotten reps in practice. The Chiefs kept me involved even if I wasn't a big part of it. And he was like, everybody asks surprised that I can play. Hell, I know I can play. And, you know, I think it's about trust. I think it's about production. And I think that Leonard Fournette's in the doghouse because not only had, had he dropped passes against the Rams that night, he had three drops, I think. He hasn't run the ball well at all. I mean, they've given him rushing opportunities. He's done nothing with it. So, you know, even though – and it was it described to me this way. Cameron Brait is not as good as maybe, say, Rob Gronkowski, but you know what you're going to get from him, and you can trust him. And I think that's where they're at with Shady McCoy. They need another running back that if he has to check the ball down to him on third down or he has to run a route, an option route, he knows where his leverage is, he's going to be where he's supposed to be, and he's going to make the play that he needs to make. And you know what? Maybe he's not as explosive as he was in his first nine seasons in the NFL, um, but I definitely think that that was one of those personnel moves. You know, you look to see what are the tweaks coming out of the bye. Yep. That was a definite decision and one that probably was tough for, for Fournette to swallow. Let's face it, he picked these guys as a free agent. He probably could have gone a lot of places. Uh, I think it's clear he's not going to re-sign here next year right. because of this, unless somehow he gets back in the mix and ends up playing really well. But that was it was a big deal to have him – McCoy come in here and, and play, you know, play the way he did. So I think from that standpoint, um, that's just another one of those things that we've seen. Now, um, they play Atlanta. I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, how the Falcons did on Sunday as I sit here. They lost. They did lose. So um, the Falcons now in a bit of a tailspin, even under Raheem Morris, which is interesting. You know, Raheem Morris trying to get another job in the NFL. I don't know that he'll be given the Vikings – or the Atlanta Falcons head coaching job. Um, I'll probably have a chance to talk to him this week. Uh, it's interesting that him and Dirk Cutter now, uh, Dirk most recently fired, there's nobody here left from Raheem's era, uh, going against their former teams. But, hey, look, if they've got you know Julio Jones I don't think played, but if, if he's able to come back, they've got some weapons over there in Matt Ryan. The problem is they haven't been able to protect Matt at all. And if this Bucks defense comes to play, um, we watched New Orleans Saints sack Matt Ryan a few weeks ago nine times. Um, they could take this game over, and that's sort of what you do with these teams, right, that are down. You have to get on top of them early, and then you bury them. And if they do that, then all of a sudden, you know, you, you've won two in a row. Now, now, you, now you have nine wins, a chance to get 11. So this was a big day for them today. I Again, the way this game started, I thought they were, this was this was definitely headed in the wrong direction, and Dalvin Cook was was taking over the game. The tackling wasn't good, but good for the Bucks to uh, you know to be able to finish uh, what they started here at Raymond James and and get this uh, final quarter underway. 
All right. Well, tomorrow we're going to get into what happened in the college football weekend. I know that might sound a little backwards, but, of course, Florida's lost to LSU. And Max Johnson, the uh, the son of Brad Johnson, who uh, got his first college start, start at the Swamp and wound up beating the Gators. It was an incredible night for him, and I think we'll probably talk a little bit about a shoe toss as well. As uh, as Joey has said, the, the Gators, the shoe was on the other foot for sure. Um, and then, of course, we'll, we'll get into uh, a preview of the SEC championship game. We've got a bunch of college football coaches getting fired, getting hired, one at Arkansas State, Butch Jones we can talk about. So lots to get into tomorrow on the show. Hey, folks, remember, um, go see our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers. There's two locations. You know the one, the original store on Fort uh, Street in St. Petersburg. Now they have a brand-new store in Hyde Park. The address is 1607 West Swan Avenue. That's in Hyde Park Village. Don't forget that Old Northeast Jewelers has online consultations and free delivery to your door for jewelry, for rings, and for luxury watches. And if you need money for the holidays, well, guess what? Who doesn't? Old Northeast Jewelers is always buying fine jewelry and luxury watches. So you can trade in that beautiful piece uh, that you want to get rid of and have something brand new for you or your loved one. Go see our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers at 4th Street or the brand new store at 1607 West Swan Avenue in Hyde Park Village. For Steve Versnick and Joey Knight, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.